0: We are two days away from the biggest game of the season for your favorite football team. And now it's time to scout the opponent. You are locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns The Show, Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on college for $20 off your first purchase and on today's episode of locked on Longhorns we are scouting the Alabama Crimson Tide in the first segment we're talking about their offense in the second segment we are talking about their defense and in both segments I'm talking about what Texas can do to have success on both sides of the ball and in the last segment we are splitting topics first Cole Hudson is back to getting first team reps at right guard this week in practice And last but not least, your Texas football team just picked up their latest commitment. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns Park of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A couple of quick housekeeping notes before we get into the show. Uh, I just want to congratulate all of the Astros fans on the silver boot this year. You know, the Rangers were in control of the division for most of the year, and I came on here and took a couple jabs at Astros fans. And now the Rangers look like Errol Spence, and the Astros look like Terrence Crawford, right? So, uh, like I said, congrats on the silver boot. It's 162-game season, and it looks like the Rangers only had 120 games in them. So uh, the Astros should win the AOS and should make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, per usual. Also, if you're watching on YouTube and you enjoy the show, uh, as always, please like, please subscribe. I'm thankful for the support and on audio as well. Thankful for all of the support. We've grown so much uh, since February 20, 2022 of <laughs> last year, and I owe that to everybody that watches and listens to the show. So now we're talking about Texas versus Alabama. Uh, one of the biggest matchups of the year for both teams and just one of the biggest matchups for college football as a whole. And I think this game uh, means a lot. Obviously, you're hoping at the end of the season it'll have college football playoff implications and you're hoping this is a matchup we can see a lot of in the future when Texas moves to the SEC and you know, hope that they're good competitive games uh, each time. But I think this is a huge game for each team, right? And I think each team comes in with a little bit of a different narrative surrounding their teams, right? Because you look at Alabama, Um, And they lost so much losing Bryce Young and Will Anderson. And we heard all offseason about how, uh, you know, the quarterback competition was underwhelming. They had to bring in a transfer in like June or, or July to stabilize the quarterback room. And a lot of people just feel like, you know, maybe Alabama's on the way out. Right. Maybe there's some chinks in the armor. They lost two games last year. And with Georgia emerging, you know, as the clear favorite in college football, LSU, I know they look bad in week one but they're going to make some noise in the SEC. A lot of people feel like, you know, maybe Nick Saban and this Alabama team, the dynasty is coming to an end, right? And I think that they're hell bent on proving that they're still the Alabama team that they've been the last 15 years on Saturday. For Texas, they come in with a different story, right? They come in with a different narrative. For the last 10-plus years, Texas has not lived up to expectations. Texas has been one of the laughing stocks of college football, and that comes with the expectations of being a blue-blood program. We have to be honest and say for the last 10 plus years, Texas has nowhere near lived up to the expectations and what we expect from the flagship university in the state of Texas. But now we've seen the development for two years. We've seen the recruiting for two years. We know what Steve Sarkeesian and the staff are capable of. And we expect year three to be the year that Texas gets back on the map, right? And if they're going to do that, it starts with a huge matchup this weekend against the Alabama Crimson Tide on the road, right? If Texas wants to be back, right at the top of college football, then you have to win games like this on Saturday. So both teams are desperate to win this game for different reasons, as you should be, right? Like I said, it's one of the biggest matchups in college football. And I think we're going to learn about a lot about both teams on Saturday night. When we start talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide and their offense, uh, I watched the game against Middle Tennessee. I'm not sure if it's middle Tennessee or Middle Tennessee State it really doesn't matter. That's <laughs> probably the last time I ever mentioned them on this podcast. Uh, but you know, Alabama won, I think fifty six to seven or fifty six to three, right? They went out there and did what Alabama was supposed to do. And this is not the typical Alabama offense that we've been used to seeing at least for the last uh, five to six years when they had really exceptional quarterback play um, and NFL first round level receivers every year. Uh, on that offense, right? They've gone back to the bread and butter, right? Nick Saban and some of those old Alabama teams that really got the dynasty kicked off, right? This is a 12 personnel team, a lot of, uh, you know, five offensive linemen and two tight ends, a lot of heavy personnel that we saw the majority of from Texas last year, right? This Alabama team has really leaned into that, especially with Jalen Milro's skill set, right? And they have. Three offensive linemen that weigh over 350 pounds. They have the biggest line across the board in college football, and it would be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, in the NFL. So, like I said, they really leaned into 12 personnel, and they're going to run a ball, the run the ball, a ton this year, right? As far as their. Passing game. Um, I would say that against Middle Tennessee, you saw a lot of short passes, really getting the ball out quickly to their playmakers. They have a lot of really fast receivers and putting them in a position to make plays in space, right? Getting blockers out in front of them and allowing them to make plays after the catch. And when you come down and try to allocate resources to that dynamic run game, right, with all of their running backs and their quarterback, then they can hit you over the head in one-on-ones because Jalen Milrow has really good deep accuracy and all of their receivers can fly, right? It's a track it's a track meet in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So like I said, in terms of their base offense, you're going to see a ton of 12 personnel. You're going to see a ton of runs, whether that's from their uh, running back room who has five capable running backs in it or from uh, Jalen Milrow and design runs. And of course, you know, he's always a threat to take off in the passing game as well. And then a lot of short passes, getting the ball out of his hands quickly and then hitting you over the head deep if they have the opportunity to do so. I think when I look at Jalen Milro specifically, you know, there's a narrative or a knock on him that he's not the best passer and he's more of a threat with his legs than his arm, right? But I think we saw a very composed uh, Jalen Milrow on Saturday against Middle Tennessee who had great command of the offense. Now I will say that, He does not make more than one read on most plays, right? It kind of feels like the Jared Goff, Sean McVay offense, where they're telling him in his ear where to throw the ball before the play starts, right? But that play was always open against Middle Tennessee State. Texas is going to have to do a good job of taking away his first read, actually making him go through progressions and making him challenge them in the passing game, right? Because if he can just run the ball all game and then make one read in the passing game, Texas is not going to have much of a chance to win or stop them. Right. With this uh, 12 personnel offense, I think two things that we didn't see a ton of that I thought maybe they were being vanilla or keeping until week two was we didn't see a ton of play action. Right. And when you're talking about a team that wants to run a bunch of power run inside, they want to run a bunch of design runs with Jalen Milrow and they have five running backs to get the ball to. You would expect to see a lot of play action off of that. And we didn't see that a ton. And I think on their three deep passes for touchdowns, only one of them came off of play action. Right you want to utilize play action if you're that dynamic in the run game. And so I think that's something that they're probably keeping, you know, for week two against Texas against a better opponent. I would expect to see a lot more play action this week than we saw against middle Tennessee. Another thing that I think maybe they didn't show enough of, or, you know, we're trying to keep in their bag until week two was using the tight ends in the passing game, right? We know that's one of the benefits of running 12 personnel, right? You have seven big bodies up there that can block for your running back or for your quarterback, But you also have two tight ends that can come off of that and make plays in the passing game and kind of threaten the integrity of your defense. And I didn't see that a bunch on tape in week one as well against Middle Tennessee. So I would expect to see more play action against the Texas defense. And I would expect to see more opportunities for the tight ends in the passing game um, outside of that 12 personnel that we didn't see in week one, right? And like I said, you have to get to Jalen Milrow and rattle him, right? Take away uh, his first read and, and, you know, make him play quarterback, right? You know, that's the knock on him. And I thought he was better passing the ball than he got credit for in week one, but still that's not his strong suit, right? You have to make him go through multiple reads, make him scan the field. And then hopefully that leads to opportunities in the form of interceptions or turnovers for this Texas defense. Also think, of course, he's very dynamic as a runner. And if you allow him to do that, in design runs, then you're going to have a long day. But sometimes when he's passing and there's nothing there, he makes that decision to scramble too late. And that can lead to sacks and, um, you know, our Texas defenders getting to him, Um, and tackling him in the backfield so he's very dynamic you know scrambling and that's something that you always have to worry about but you can kind of see the conflict of oh okay do I stand in the pocket and make this throw wait for my receiver to come open or do I just take off now against Texas a bigger game he may just take off right and be that dynamic athlete that tries to carry them to victory but against middle Tennessee you could see you know him thinking too much you could see the confusion the conflict of damn do I throw this ball or do I take off and run? And a lot of times he took off and ran too late, which led to a few sacks for Alabama when Jalen Milrow was in the game. So, you know, I think the keys are you're going to have to stop, you know, that heavy run game They have a huge offensive line, really big dynamic tight ends, and a lot of capable running backs, right? You have to stop that 12 personnel and force them to throw the ball, right? You cannot have, you cannot let Jalen Milrow have success with those designed runs, right? If he takes off and scrambles, you have to live with that. But those designed runs, you have to stop him from doing that. And you have to make this Alabama offense uncomfortable. Against Middle Tennessee in week one, 63% run split, 37% pass split. Now, of course, that was against Middle Tennessee. You were up you know, six, seven touchdowns, right? You want to run the ball, run the clock out, but that's just their offense, right? Like I said, they kept a little bit out of the bag, but that's their offense. I think they would want to go into every game trying to run the ball 60 plus percent of the time. If they do that, that means they're having success doing that, and the Texas defense probably didn't do a good job of stopping them, right? But if you can make them you know, throw the ball closer to a 50-50 split, then I think that works in the Texas defense's favor. And I think in this type of game, whoever has the best defensive showing will win. So a lot of 12 personnel from Alabama, a lot of quick throws, and then trying to hit you over the top with that deep ball, which Jalen Milrow is very capable of completing. But if you can stop them in the run game and turn them into a passing offense, then it should be advantage Texas Longhorns. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we're talking about what I saw from the defensive side of the ball and how Steve Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers can Challenge them on the offensive side. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be hundred percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, so this is a very dynamic, uh, you know, defense with a lot of talented playmakers on it. They're really strong in the back end. They're really strong up front with players like Jaheim Otis and uh, Dallas Turner returning. And this is a defense that can put a lot of pressure on, right? And it's going to be interesting to see how Steve Sarkeesian and this offense want to attack them, right? We know and we've heard all week about how they were vanilla. Um, and we expect to see a lot of, you know, kind of that creative and, you know, really intriguing play calling that we saw in the first quarter last year against Alabama, which really gave them trouble, right? I thought Sark's opening script was flawless, right? And even though we only scored three points off of it, you could tell that it had uh, the Alabama defense off balance. And I think that we're going to see a better version of Quinn Ewers this week, because they've obviously been practicing for Alabama for a long time, right? They didn't just start this week, you know? And so I think that, you know, um, Quinn, you should be comfortable in that game plan. Now there's some things that we saw in week one that wouldn't have mattered whether the play calling was creative or not. Right. When you're missing, you know, wide open, you know, deep balls down the field uh, to Xavier worthy, when you're throwing off your back fe- uh, foot, jumping up in the air to throw passes to AD Mitchell down the field, when you're hitting JT Sanders in the helmet, <laughs> right. On the crossing route, like those are things that have to be cleaned up regardless, right. Of, Uh, what the play calling looks like. Also, the interior offensive line was not great against Rice. Now, you could say the same thing about Alabama and Middle Tennessee. There were a lot of times where their pass rush got, you know, past the offensive line, right? So I think that it's going to be key for each defensive line. And I think each defensive line has a chance to take over and win this game. But, you know, on offense, you're going to have to, you know, complete passes, continue to move the ball down the field. And contrary to last year, you're going to have to have some resemblance of a run game, because if you can't run the ball, like you couldn't last year with Bijan John Robinson, then you're not going to be able to beat an Alabama team for 60 minutes. When I look at their defense I'll start with their defensive line. They did a really good job of just getting a pass rush with four. Right. And, you know, the best defenses, they have the ability to get a pass rush with four. And I thought that on third downs, they did a really good job of creating confusion. Right. Whether it was a stunt or a game with Dallas Turner, bringing him from the outside to the inside and attacking the inside or, you know, bringing the linebackers from the inside or, you know, kind of cross blitzing them and then having them rush off the edge whatever it was right we saw a lot of creativity against middle Tennessee on week one from that defensive line and their linebackers in terms of getting to the quarterback and that's something that's going to be a huge chess match in this game because we're going to see a lot of that from Pete Kikowski as well but we saw the struggles with our offensive line and I also felt like we saw a lot of struggles with Quinn you were dealing with pressure right it just feels like now when he senses pressure he's not comfortable and he starts to move a lot out of the pocket uh, or take off and run, right? He doesn't have the ability right now to stand in the pocket, deal with that pressure and deliver strikes. Right. And so we're going to see, you know, uh, Alabama defensive coordinator, Alabama defensive line and their linebackers really try to get to Quinn Ewers, pressure him and, you know, rattle him and knock him off his pivot and he's going to have to have a special moment, um, probably the biggest game of his life. Right. And show that he can stand in there take that pressure and deliver the ball. Because if he can, there will be a ton of opportunities one-on-one on on the outside. And you would think that we have talented enough receivers in Jordan Whittington, uh, Xavier Worthy, and A.D. Mitchell on top of whoever else plays to win those one-on-one matchups. In terms of their corners on the outside, like I said, they're going to be in a ton of one-on-one opportunities. And you feel like, like we saw in the first quarter last year, you have the type of playmakers that can win those one-on-one opportunities. But the problem is, You're talking about DBs that are really good in coverage, right? It's not just as simple as, oh, Xavier Worthy has a one-on-one, so he's going to win it, right? their dbs are really good in coverage led by kool-aid mckinstry and the pass rush gets there right you're not going to be covering they're not going to be covering our receivers for four five six seven seconds right because their pass rush is going to get there and they're going to do a good job of making sure that their pass rush gets there so i think that steve sarkeesian in the same way that alabama is going to have to do is going to have to get the ball out quickly you know challenge the defense with a lot of play action and rpos um and you know really kind of negate that pass rush right because like i said if you sit back there and try to have those longer developing passing routes and and concepts. I don't think they're always going to be there, right? This is a defense that, like I said, is really predicated on the pass rush get in there with four, but they can blitz. They can run stunts and run games to confuse this offensive line. And they have the DBs out there to play coverage on an Island. Um, and force you to make tough throws. And Quinn Ewers is going to have to make tough throws like he did in the first quarter last year. In terms of our run game, right, it's going to come down to who wins in the trenches. But I think we have to show some resemblance of a run game to win against Alabama. right? I don't think you're going to be in a position where it's going to be a close game like last year, even though you couldn't run the ball. And so not sure if Cedric Baxter is going to play. I think that's a huge loss, but Jaden Blue and Jonathan Brooks are going to have to make some plays in the run game to open up more opportunities on the outside. And, you know, you have two really good safeties for Alabama. One of them being a true freshman in Caleb Downs. And I think that if you can run the ball effectively, you can bring Caleb Downs in that box, right. To shore up that run game and make sure that, you know, or for Alabama side, try to make sure that, you know, Jonathan Brooks and, uh, Jaden Blue don't take off in the run game, and hopefully Cedric Baxter, if he can play. And then if you don't have both of those safeties over the top, then you really have the opportunity to go downfield with Xavier Worthy, or A.D. Mitchell. So, you know, I think that this is a really sound Bama defense. Like I said, they've gotten back to the old days of winning on the defensive side of the ball and controlling the game on offense with 12 personnel. But I do think that Texas has the talent on both sides of the ball to really give this Alabama team some problems on Saturday, right? With their defense, they can really confuse Jalen Milrow, turn him into a passer, make him pass more than he wants to, and turn that into opportunities for turnovers and short fields for our offense and this defense they're going to have a lot of one-on-one opportunities on the outside they trust their corners and they trust their pass rush but if this offensive line can win the matchup against the defensive line or if Quinn Ewers can step up to into the pocket and kind of deal with that pass rush while still delivering strikes down the field, then this Texas offense certainly can cause problems for the Alabama Crimson Tide and their defense on Saturday. So it's going to be a lot of talented players, NFL players on the field, a lot of, you know, chess matches between, you know, offensive and defensive coordinators, uh, Nick Saban and Steve Sarkeesian. And you're going to see all hands on deck, right. For both teams trying to win this game. And I think there are unique advantages and, uh, you oh, I'll say that. I think there are unique advantages for each team. And I think the team that exploits the other team's disadvantages more on Saturday will come out of Tuscaloosa with the win. A quick word from our sponsors. And then we're talking about Cole Hudson taking first team reps at right guard and then the latest commitment for your favorite football team. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LockedOnCollege for $20 off your first purchase. You don't have to plan months in advance with Game Time because Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy theater, whatever you can think of. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference so you'll make some money remember download the game time app create an account and use code locked on college for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on college for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed All right, we're ending the show with some quick hitters. First I want to talk about Cole Hudson starting at right guard. And that was a big uh, you know, conversation over the offseason, a big competition over the offseason. And we don't know if he's gonna start. On Saturday against Alabama, but we'd assume so, right? Based on what we saw against Rice and him back to getting first-team reps at right guard, and you know, I think with DJ Campbell, he was the headliner of that 2022 class, and you know, there's a certain athleticism he brings to the position, and you were hoping in year two he had kind of figured it all out and you know was ready to be an asset and hopefully an upgrade at right guard to this offensive line, and against Rice, you just didn't see that, right? Um, You know. He can get a push in the run game. He's really strong, but I don't think we saw that consistently against Rice. I think you saw a lot of times in the passing game where, if there were one on one blocks between DJ Campbell and a Rice defensive lineman, a Rice defensive lineman either won that battle or at least held his own and put some pressure uh, on Quinn Ewers. And we saw some of the same, you know, pre stat penalties and penalties uh, that we saw last year, especially in the Baylor game that plagued this Texas offense. And so when you're going into the biggest game, of the season, the biggest game of Steve Sarkeesian's tenure thus far at the University of Texas, you need players out there that you can trust. And it's very clear at this point, um, you know, based on after a year of being in the building and two off seasons and seeing him against Rice, this Texas staff doesn't have a ton of faith in DJ Campbell. And based on what I saw on the tape, I love him. I love his talent ability, but what I saw against Rice, I wouldn't have a ton of faith on him against Alabama either. Right. And so you know, when you put in Cole Hudson, I think you're gaining, you know, somebody who knows the offense and is very familiar with this offense because he ran it all last year. You know, there were times where he wasn't the best in terms of securing his blocks. And obviously that's his number one job, you know, is to get a push in the run game and, you know, keep people off of the quarterback. But I think just the most simple thing in football and the thing you rely on the most and don't want to have to take for granted is his ability to know the offense and know where he's supposed to be in terms of his blocking assignments, right? And if he can hold up in the passing game and get somewhat of a push in the run game, then I think Texas is making the right decision to start Cole Hudson on Saturday as opposed to DJ Campbell. And even if you're losing, you know, maybe some strength or some push in the run game, like I said, you don't want people running free and smacking Quinn Ewers in the face because if that's the case, Texas has no chance to win. So I think right now, Cole Hudson is the best option at right guard for this Texas football team based on what we saw in week one, you know, against Rice and DJ Campbell. You know, people told me I was hard on Quinn Ewers, but I'm just responding to what the tape says. And I'm saying the same thing about DJ Campbell, that he maybe needs to sit on the bench for a little bit after I'm responding and watch the tape. And I'm responding to what the tape says. So Cole Hudson is the best option at right guard for the biggest game of the year against Alabama. And it looks like he's trending towards being the starter on Saturday. And then the last thing I want to talk about is Zena Umui. Zena, right? Big U, right? His brother plays for university of texas big Nito. i don't want to butcher his last name so i'm just not going to say it i apologize if any of his family is watching i'll do my research i'll do my due diligence and i'll be able to say it moving forward right because i've been getting away with just saying big Nito for a year but i have to have a higher standard as a podcast host who represents the university of texas right six four two ten i would imagine he's bigger than that right now in high school you can dominate at 210 at the edge position but I think he's probably 220, 230, and obviously would have a frame to put on more weight once he got to the University of Texas. Out of Allen, committed to Texas, of course, to come play with his brother, like I said, uh, second-year offensive guard, uh, Big Nito. And now Texas has the 17th overall class in the 24-7 sports composite. Uh, they lost out on Dominic McKinley. You know, We have to see what happens with Ryan Wingo, Micah Hudson, and uh, Brandon Baker. But we feel like Kobe Black is probably a lot to come to the University of Texas and maybe some other players. Uh, But this class has come along a little bit slower than we saw the 2022 and 2023 classes. So hopefully, This class still ends up in the top 10 and potentially uh, top five. And they could bring a lot of good players in as we head to the SEC. And I like what they've done in terms of the defensive line or at least the edge recruiting. Right. I think we need, uh, you know, some more fortification in the interior. But in terms of on the edge, they've done a really good job. And now when you go into next year, I think you have a really talented group that you can rely on to win in the SEC. Right. Because, even if you're losing Baron Sorrell, right? I think that Colin Simmons is a day one starter next year. And based on what he's done in high school, you would expect him to make a lot of noise in the Southeastern Conference as a pass rusher right away, right? A la maybe Harold Perkins of last year, right? With that talent level, he should be having an impact from day one on this Texas football team. Then you brought in a lot of players like Zena, Colton Vasek, Ethan Burke, you know, Jamon Tapp, Jeray Bledsoe, Tassili Arcana, right? Maybe not just dudes, Justice Finkley, right? Maybe not dominant players like you expect Colin Simmons to be, but certainly players that can go out there and make plays for this Texas football team in the run, and the pass, and get to the quarterback, especially in a big situation. So I love what they've done uh, with this pass rush. I have love what they've done with the edge position, not just in terms of recruiting, but bringing them in and actually developing them. And I think going into the SEC, you have a really good unit of pass rushers that can make an impact for this Texas football team. Now, if we can get some dudes in the interior, the same way that we got dudes on the edge then you're looking at a team that certainly can continue to win in the trenches at the highest level in the sec thank you for tuning in to another episode of locked on longhorns part of the locked on podcast network your team every day tomorrow you can expect a crossover with me the host of locked on bama and the host of locked on sec getting you ready for one of the biggest games of the college football season hook them